0: Please take your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter number 12. If you need a copy of the handout, our ushers will help you with that. Definitely would like for you to be able to follow along in the message. Thank you for your excellent ministry choir. Thank you so much, Kimberly and Bethany, for the... Music. It's great to have a missionary. Certainly uh, look forward to a revival of our own lives through this Connect conference as we have opportunity to sit under the preaching and teaching of many different men and women over the next three days. So please do uh, look at that schedule and be here tomorrow night. At Let's jump right into our message. This is part two of a message that I began last week from Revelation chapter 12. We have learned now in our study of prophecy or the study of in things. We've been many months now in the book of Revelation. And if we're only on Revelation chapter 12, we still have a ways to go. But I have been encouraged as I've heard from you that you've learned that uh, there's some phrases, some words that you've seen in your Bible that we've been able to explain that's helped you. Um, That is the desire of preaching. We want to be able to not entertain, but to educate, to equip. And that is uh, certainly a benefit of studying the Word of God. Very quickly, in Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, last week, we learned that this Wonder Woman that's talked about in verse number 1 is none other than the nation of Israel. It is not the Virgin Mother Mary, and it is not the church. It is speaking directly of the nation of Israel. The great dragon, we learned, is none other than Satan himself. And I wanted to teach you five truths from uh, the book of Revelation chapter number 12, we looked at the first two truths last week. Truth number one is this, that Israel is highly favored by God. And we know that. We know that Israel, the Jewish people, are God's chosen people. We who are Gentiles, we uh, we are the recipients of that amazing grace that's uh, afforded to us through a belief in Jesus Christ. But we have to recognize whether we're offended by the that or not, the Jewish people are God's chosen people. And having said that, They're highly favored. But in Revelation chapter 12, in the first six verses, we also learned in truth number two that Israel is a hated foe of Satan. Israel is hated by Satan. Uh, He wants to destroy Israel. Satan is doing everything he can to destroy Israel. And that brings us to truth number three this morning. And we'll pick up in Revelation chapter 12 and we'll read through some verses here. I'm going to do it a little different understanding how this morning was structured, we're going to actually read our text as part of the message as I go through it. But here's truth number three as we continue this message. That is that Israel is in a hidden fight by Michael. Now, this is going to be strange to some of you. This is going to be new to some of you. You've read Revelation chapter 12, and it's made absolutely no sense to you. May the Lord help us to be able to adequately Um, and accurately explain this portion of Scripture. Israel's real fight is not against flesh and blood. In Revelation chapter 12, look with me there, as we pick up, I believe it's about verse number six, the woman fled into the wilderness. Now, who is this woman? We've established this as Israel, where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her. uh, There are 2,203 score days. How long is that? That is a space of time, some three and one half years. So we have a chapter in the Bible being written about a short space of time, three and one half years. And there was a war, where? In heaven. And Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Who is the dragon? Satan. And as you study the Bible, you're going to find out that Michael is the archangel, and his special job, as we understand it in Scripture, is to watch over Israel. Continuing on in our passage, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their found place anymore, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called uh, the devil and Satan. The dragon is Satan. Here it is. It's very clear. It's very plain. The Bible says that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out unto the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Right, do you remember how many angels were cast out? One third of the, uh, of the stars that we're talking about that, were, that was alluded to a little bit earlier. Continuing verse number 10. AND I HEARD A LOUD VOICE SAYING IN HEAVEN, NOW is COME SALVATION AND STRENGTH AND THE KINGDOM OF OUR GOD AND THE POWER OF HIS CROSS. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. You should say hallelujah right there. For the accuser is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. In these verses that I've read to you, verses 9 through 12, we see that there are two battles. There is a battle that takes place in heaven, and there is a battle that takes place in earth. First of all, there is this war in heaven. This war in heaven, on one side, there is this dreadful dragon. His name is Satan. He is called the accuser. He is called the evil one. He is called the devil. And on the other side, we see the other participants in this battle, there is a man around. or an angel by the name of Michael and all of his angels. And we see here that the dragon is described as a dragon, and that is because he has a characteristic of being extremely fierce. He is fierce. He's also called a serpent because he is so subtle. Now, some of you, you have laughed at me because my wife recently posted a a video on Facebook, and I wish we could throw a Facebook sometimes. There almost was not a 35th wedding anniversary after she did this. We had a snake get loose in our garage. And she recorded me getting the snake out of our garage. And um, and it has certainly been a, a topic of conversation. I am terrified of snakes. I hate snakes. But it all goes back to when I was a boy growing up in West Virginia. Um, there was a six to six and a half foot black snake that was curled up in a black chair in my dad's garage, barn, whatever they called it while I was growing up. and uh, one day, I, I, I went in, and I was, hey, Dad, how you doing? And Dad was working on, his, uh, on something that was broken down. It seemed like everything was always broken down. My dad was always having to fix it. So Dad was fixing something. I bounded in. I ran over, and I just plopped down in that chair. I can tell you that these many, many years later, I can still feel that snake moving on my backside, as it went one direction and I went the other direction. And since that moment in my childhood, I have been petrified, terrified of snakes, and probably will be the rest of my life. And what I have learned about snakes, they're very subtle, they're sneaky. They can hide as if they're not there. Sometimes the devil does that in in our lives. He's there, he's quiet, He's waiting to pounce when you least expect it. He is a subtle serpent. The Bible also describes uh, uh, this dragon as a devil. The word devil means he's an accuser, and the Bible even says he's an accuser of the brethren. That means, for whatever reason, God has given Satan, the dragon, the devil, uh, the ability, the permission to come before him and to accuse you of wrongdoing. He's also in this passage described as Satan. That word Satan means adversary. My friend, never ever forget the devil hates you. He is your enemy. He is your adversary. He wants to defeat you. He wants to destroy you. And so on and on. We, we see descriptions about the dragon with all of these aliases. So we have the great dragon on one side. On the other side, we have Michael and his angels. And there is a war in heaven. Ultimately, it is coming in the very near future, I believe, when this war takes place in heaven and the adversary, Satan, is cast out of heaven. Oh, pastor, you are mixed up in your theology. I have learned from the time I came to Sunday school and grew up in vacation Bible school, Satan has already been cast out of heaven. Correct? That's exactly right. But we know from Scripture that the devil still has access to heaven. I don't know how it works, but the Bible says that he was cast out. A third of the stars or uh, angels which became demons or reclassified as demons were cast out of heaven. We know that to be true. But Job 1 and verse 8 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. That's the story of when Satan came before God to accuse Job. And he says, doth, doth Job fear God for not? In the mysteries of God, in the providences of God, in the plans of God, up until this point of time of Revelation chapter number 12, as we're studying history, Satan has been allowed access to heaven. And though he's been abolished, though he's been disenfranchised, uh, though uh, 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 though he is not living in heaven for whatever reason, God allows him to accuse you, to accuse me, to accuse all of the saints before God. The Bible says he clearly is the accuser of the brethren did you know that satan is watching you today and he has he has his third of the heaven called demons that are keeping track of you he's watching to see if you're listening to your pastor this morning or if you're sleeping he's he is so crafty that he can go before God and say, Hey, and call you by name. Say, Did you, did you see them? Uh, they, they, went to, they went to church and they pretended to pay attention, but really their, their mind was far away. They were on their phones during the preaching. And you, you died for that person. You are not going to condemn that person. Um, he's watching those who are apathetic and careless during the worship service. He He'll accuse you of a lustful thought. He will accuse you of a bad temper. He will accuse you of selfishness. And my friend, the truth of the matter is, we're guilty of all those. And the devil will accuse you. And so he comes before God as the prosecuting attorney. And God's given him that access, God's allowed him that permission. And the devil, Satan, the accuser, the evil one, the serpent, he comes before God, and he says, look at that Brent Armstrong. He's supposed to be the pastor of the church down there. He's supposed to be this, and he's supposed to be that. Did you see what he did? Did you hear what he said? Uh, did, you, did you see that thought that he had? God, how can you honor him? Why don't you cast him into hell? You claim to be so righteous. You claim to be this. Why is Brent Armstrong still allowed to live? Satan is the prosecuting attorney. And don't, don't sit there smugly and think that he just does that to me. He does that to you. And he accuses us. And you know, there's no such thing as banker's hours in heaven. Evidently, the devil doesn't need sleep because the Bible says he does this day and night. He does it over and over and over again. But I'm so thankful that God says, hey, stop. And Jesus steps forward as my defense attorney. And he says that I'm Brent Armstrong's advocate. That's just a fancy name for lawyer. So, so there is a place for Christian lawyers because Jesus is the greatest of all them. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 1, the word of God says, and if any man sin, We have an advocate with the Father, and thankfully his name is Jesus Christ. Oh, my friend, even if I don't get to finish the message, I I just have to share this with you. There are some of you who are visiting, and maybe you're even a regular attender and you've been here uh, numerous times, and you are trusting in something other than Jesus Christ to get you to heaven. I just feel compelled for you to uh, to hear this and to understand the significance of Jesus Christ. You say, I come from the Mormon church, or I come from a Methodist church, and I come from a Presbyterian church, I come from a Catholic church. I don't care what church you came from, but if you're trusting in anything other than the finished work of Jesus Christ to get you to heaven, you're going to die and go to hell. If you're trusting in your rosary beads, you'll die and go to hell. If you're trusting in your Hail Marys, you will die and go to hell. If you're trusting in how much money you give to the church, you'll die and go to hell. If you're trusting in the fact that you've been sprinkled or that you've been baptized and baptism is going to gain you interest into heaven, you will die and go to a place called hell. The only way is that I believe in what Jesus Christ has done for me. That is that he died for me. Hallelujah. He shed his blood. He, he, he rose again three days later. He's the only man in all of the world that could ever raise himself from the dead. Why? Because he's God. And when I am accused by Satan, the devil, when I'm accused by that serpent, when I'm accused by that evil one, I have an advocate. I have a lawyer. And here's what Jesus says. Father, yes. Brent Armstrong is all of those things that Satan accused him of. He's failed. But Lord, see my wounded hands? Heavenly Father, do you see my pierced feet? Heavenly Father, do you see my side? For Brent Armstrong's sins I died, and my blood covers his sins. So Satan, sit down and shut up on Brent Armstrong. And Satan, he says, okay, he's resilient. And then he brings you up. And he brings all of your sins and your failures before God. And Jesus says, just a minute, And he says the same thing for you. I do not understand why people reject Jesus Christ and think they're too cool to have him on their side. I don't get it. But yet there's people marching toward hell because they love this world more than they love Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that there's coming a day when God says, enough, Michael, Take him down. You're cast out. You will never have presence in the, in, in, in my, in, you will never have my presence ever again. Get rid of Satan, get rid of the evil one. But here's what's going to happen. When I was studying and preparing this message, here's what I realized. Satan is ultimately on his way down. The Bible says he will forever, never, ever have access to God ever again when this battle takes place in heaven. And he's going to be cast to earth. And that wicked one that says, he he said, I'm going to be like the Most High. In fact, in Isaiah, he says, I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. He is going to be brought down to the lowest hell Satan's final chapter has already been written do you believe that it's going to happen and if you're following him if you're following Satan this morning there was a special place prepared for him in a place called hell and if you're following him you say I don't need Jesus I'm trusting in religion I don't need Jesus I'm trusting in my money I don't need Jesus. I'm trusting in my health. I don't need Jesus. I'm trusting in my job. I don't need Jesus. I'm trusting in my 401K. How's that working out? I don't need Jesus. I'm living the good life. My drugs, my alcohol, getting drunk on the weekends, that is so much more important to me than Jesus. Now you listen to me and listen closely, my friend. You will follow Satan to hell. Why follow a loser when you can follow the winner? I'm following the Lord Jesus Christ, and I don't, say that, I don't say that egotistically. He died for me. How can I not but follow him? Satan's done nothing but stir up trouble in my life. Jesus has brought peace. Oh, my friend, there's a war in heaven, but I want you to notice also that there's a war on earth. So when Satan is cast out, ultimately, for the final time before the presence of God, he's going to bring his wicked ways right here on planet earth. You say... That sounds like, that's really like science fiction. Oh, it's going to put the best science fiction movie to shame what Satan's about to do. Look with me again at verse number 11. It's speaking of the saints here. Notice what it says about the saints. And they overcame him, Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Satan, who is cast out of heaven once for all, he's now here on planet earth, and he's filled, the Bible says, with a violent rage. And and he knows that things are closing in on him. His time is short before he's going to be ultimately cast into the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, and he begins to fight against the saints with a renewed intensity that has never happened. Remember, we've already looked at the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. We are now entering into the second half of the three and a half years. Can you believe that an entire book of the Bible the Bible is written about just seven years of time. It's an amazing time that's going to be here on planet Earth. And so we see here that there is a hidden, there is a spiritual fight. Who is Israel's prince, the archangel against Satan? Uh, it is going to be Michael. And uh, he is going to get Satan out of heaven. Well, guess what happens? We have already established the fact the tribulation period is never about the church. The church is gone. We are raptured. We've been removed. Praise the Lord for that. When you study prophecy... And there are some things in Revelation in the coming chapters that I'm going to tell you, I don't understand what that means. I've read commentators. Commentators don't agree. I don't understand. And so I will not speak with any uh, sense of authority. I'll just say, here is what uh, minds greater than mine have come to the conclusion. But make no mistake, there are things that I can say with great authority. I know we're not here during the tribulation. Jesus He's coming back for his bride, and his bride is the church. We'll be removed. We'll be in heaven. And we will be apart from this mess. But if you die without Christ, you will be here. And here's what happens when Satan is removed from heaven, we see truth number four, and that is that Israel will hastily flee from the Antichrist. Israel's going to hastily flee. From the Antichrist. Verse number 13: And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the women which brought forth the man child. Now, this is future. Satan no longer has uh, any type of access to heaven. And when he realizes what has happened to him, that he no longer can accuse the brothers and sisters before God, that he turns with intensity to the woman. Who is the woman? Who is the woman? It is none other than Israel, so that means every man, woman, boy, and child, he is going to, with a, with a fury, a violence, he's going to turn his attention on the nation of Israel. Remember, this is just a little tiny speck of land when in comparison to the rest of, the, uh, of this world. This little Tiny geographic piece of land Satan will reside on, and the Bible says there in verses 14 through 16, it's going to uh, tell you the violence that he's going to mete out. It's going to be a dark, dark time for Israel, and it's linked to the three and a half year mark. What happens in three and a half years when the tribulation begins? Over here, the the great tribulation begins after the rapture of the church, but right here. In the middle of the tribulation, at the three-and-a-half-year point, what happens? Here's what happens. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. The temple has been rebuilt. The temple was rebuilt for the Messiah to come to. But Satan perverts that. And as we already have established, Israel's is going to be uh, betrayed by Satan because Satan is going to affix uh, himself in the temple. He, The man of sin is going to move into that temple, and he's going to say, I am God. And uh, Israel's is going to initially believe that this is the Messiah, this is the God. Only she's going to find out that she's been lied to. And Israel's is going to realize this is not a Messiah. This is not a deliverer. This is not our protector. He's a fake. He is a fraud. He is an imposter. He is a deceiver. He is a double-crosser. What terminology can I give you to make you believe this morning? Don't go to hell. Satan is real, and he's trying to devour and defeat you and to destroy you. And Israel, they're finally going to get it. And they will refuse him. And during this time, Satan is going to be filled with this great wrath. And he's going to turn against Israel in a way that is never seen before ever in the history of mankind. And the middle of this seven-year period. Then what happens? How does Jesus describe Satan moving into the temple? I remind you, the Bible says that he turns the temple into an abomination of desolation. And the Bible says that Jesus says these words, flee unto the mountains. Flee into the mountains. Jesus says to the nation of Israel at the three and a half year mark, get out of town. Get out of Israel. Get out for your own safety. Flee, flee, run. And Israel will hastily flee from the Antichrist. Why is that? Because there's incredible, intense persecution that the devil brings. We're talking about Israel's haste to flee there. In verse number 14, it says that Israel will will flee on two wings of a great eagle. Would anyone like to guess what that is? Two wings of a great evil. We live in a time period 2,000 years after this is written that we know what an airplane is. John He's writing 2,000 years ago. He's allowed to see into the future and he has to pin something that he's never seen before. Imagine that, the only thing he's seen is donkeys walking from place to place. And he has to describe an airplane two wings of a great eagle. There's going to be an airlift like we've never seen happen at the three-and-a-half-year mark of the tribulation. And the devil is going to see them flee, and he's going to send after them a flood of persecution. But the Bible says this in Isaiah 59 and 19, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against them. For three-and-a-half years, believing Jews who understood the Bible, that Jesus said that he that readeth, let them understand they're going to flee from Israel, from Jerusalem because of the great persecution. Now, these are those who believe in Christ. What does all this mean to me as we speak of Israel's hasty flight out of Jerusalem and the surrounding area? I'll tell you one thing. It means that God knows the future. And I'll tell you something else. It means that God's still in control. Never doubt God is still in control. Oh, my time's slipping away. Let me just briefly mention the the fifth truth here, and we'll be finished. There's a fifth truth about Israel, the nation of Israel. Israel must accept healing faith through salvation. Israel must accept healing faith through salvation. I want you to think about Israel's saving faith. Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, the Bible says, and the dragon was wroth with the woman, that's Israel, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We're talking about Jews here. These are the believing Jews. There's going to come a time when these Jews will come to Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And uh, I, I'm going to uh, j- just say that there are a number of scriptures that, that prophesy this event. And, and those scriptures are listed there for you. I encourage you to read those at your t- uh, in your own time. Uh, but let me just say, the Bible reiterates over and over again that God is going to spare his people. He's going to come and help his people. And I just want to say, that blesses me. I'm thankful that the God of heaven will come to help those who believe on her Messiah. And uh, I wonder today if we understand the significance of that song that says this, there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. How can we, how can we day by day slothful, careless, living in these pregnant days in which we, we live with, a, with an attitude, uh, with a bent toward, with a bent toward, it's about me, versus what's going to happen, understanding who Jesus Christ is. As I finish this morning, I might just say this, love Jesus Christ with a burning, blazing, passionate, and emotional love. We must love the Lord Jesus with a burning, blazing, passionate, and emotional love. We're to love what God loves, and we're to hate what God hates. We're living in a society right now that we don't want to hate what God hates because that's what our world says that we have to accept. Our cartoons are now filled with two dads and two moms. God hates that. We're, we're living in a world right now that says that if you don't bend to culture diversity, that we're going to marginalize you. May I just tell you that we are to hate what God hates and we're to love what God loves. And God loves his chosen people, and I do. And God loves them, and he made uh, made a way for them to escape. Thank God there's coming a day, and it may not be that far off As uh, uh, when we look to see what's happening in the United States, and we're quickly becoming um, a a nation that's no longer feared as the greatest nation in the world. There's coming a day when the United States is going to be brushed off to the side, paving the way for a, a rapture to take place. There's coming a day that in three and a half years, the temple is going to be rebuilt in Jerusalem. There's coming a day when there's going to be unspeakable horrors that are going to come upon planet Earth. Listen, if I believe Genesis 1 and verse 1, then I believe Revelation chapter 12. If I believe John 3, 16, then I believe Revelation chapter 12. There's coming a horrific time on planet Earth called the Tribulation And the great tribulation, you can laugh, you can sleep through it, you can scoff at it, you can say, I don't believe that. But I'm telling you, Israel is the line in the sand. Either you believe it or you don't, there's no middle ground. And if I believe it, I better live differently. If I don't believe it, you'll go to hell with the devil and all of his demons. It's that simple. It's not sugar-coated. I believe by faith what Jesus has done, or I don't need it. There's a lot of people Whose bodies are in cemeteries today, who said, I don't believe it. It's not important. And their soul is in a place called hell. But in a lot of cemeteries, there's people that love Jesus Christ. And today, they have victory over death, for in there are a place called heaven. Where will you be?